to get your ass out of it. That's my Caption the magic express. What's up? It's not a train. It's a prison word, um, time again it's the enigma hour with captain cheeky me Phillips, and captain dave reporting for duty yes dave you're reporting for duty you know i know it's a bit of a ripoff but i really just like the song you know it's a good song <laughs> all right dave <clears throat> so, so what you got cooking so tonight we're gonna. I'm anxious to explore another one of life's little mysteries. Well, I don't know. This is a bit of a life's big mystery. This one. <laughs> it's right. a it's a good one. Yeah. So we got Walter on. He should be on the Skype right now, waiting, listening to us blabber. But before, yeah, I found the bind. I found the 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 board. And so there's a <clears throat> there's a little announcement we got to make. Well, number one, uh, according to some website, uh, we're in the top five percent of all podcasts in the world. I find that hard to believe, but apparently it's true. Yeah, listen, note who crunches data on uh, such matters, and all of a sudden um, we're there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So the truth is out there in your backyard. Uh, good old Dave Allen, Captain Dave, will be doing a presentation over at the Tuolumne County Library off Greenlee Road, Wednesday, October 11th, 2023, at 6 p.m. And uh, there's a whole big long thing about it, UFOs. He's going to be doing a lot of UFOs. So can you, I mean, now that, this is the Tuolumne County uh, Historical Society. 
I've been working with the Tuolumne County History and Research Center. And our goal right now is to kind of re-examine the county's history. Right. And bring more to the forefront the, uh, uh, the people, places, and events that kind of typify or exemplify our identity as a community. And uh, uh, the um, UFO well, uh, phenomenon. I have to say, Dave, you've got a big picture of an arrow right here. That was the vision uh, in the 19th century of uh, what... See the ladies all dressed in oh, Victorian I, I costumes. Oh, I see it. And uh, the other airships flying in the background. Oh, yeah. More arrows and, in the back. And uh, this area here, just like every area, I mean, 19th century, uh, there was a, everyone was looking to the skies. There was a balloon craze. But, but wait, Dave, it says actual footage of UFOs visiting Sonora will be shown. Oh, yeah. I, uh, so... Do you remember uh, that kind of, it was a Dan Aykroyd UFO Unplugged yeah, or something UFOs like that? Unplugged. And then he uh, showed uh, footage of uh, UFOs every once in a while they throw in a clip. Yeah. Did you realize that all of those were filmed in Tuolumne County? I only realized it because you told me. Oh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's why a, you're good, Dave. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's just, it's on, we have it on film. As a matter of fact, in the Cogden report. Right, we talked about this last week. Uh, and did we? Did I say about... Uh, yeah, the, the, the one of the ones he couldn't explain was here. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it was number 58 or something like that. And uh, Universal Pictures, and they had the A and the B camera right. going, and they actually uh, filmed a UFO flying behind James Franciscus while he was... Good old uh, James uh, Franciscus. A horse... And they didn't realize what they had captured until, no, until post. Until yeah, yeah, until they developed the film. And, and they left it in because it was just the only good shot they had. That's right. That's exactly All right. What well happens. check out check out uh, Museum Corner over there with good old uh, Captain Dave. And uh, it's gonna be on October eleventh, twenty twenty three, six PM, Tuolumne County Library, Greenlee Road. And make sure you uh, you say, Hey Captain Dave, I heard about you on Oh yeah, that the would Enigma be good. Hour. That that would be great. And and this would be like a primer, uh, like a kind of a layman's or local slant on uh, another big event that's coming up. Right. And uh, 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 we're not going to steal that yet okay. because we got Walter on, Walter Bosley. He's going to be on in about 15 seconds. And so maybe. I'm telling you, this is the head arrowhead. He's like the head arrowhead, yeah. I like that. I wonder how he feels about that. We'll, we'll find out momentarily. All right. So I got a bio. Walter Bosley spent 20 years in the U.S. national security community and for the past 21 years has been a publisher under his label, Lost Continent Library. Walter is the author of nearly two dozen books and has appeared on History Channel's Ancient Aliens. Sorry, I'm a little congested. Uh, Ancient Aliens, the Travel Channel's National Park Mysteries, Sean Stone's Buzzsaw, and Beyond Belief with George Norrie. I got to tell you, I've been on a lot of podcasts and a lot of TV shows. I've never been on Ancient Aliens or National Park Mysteries or Buzzsaw, but I did do Beyond Belief once. All right, let's see. Let's see if Walter's there. Walter, can you hear me? 
Yes, I can hear you loud and clear, Olaf. Okay, it worked. The second time it worked. Well, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I I think it's only fair to tell you that I am going to do a Billy Bob Thornton and refuse to discuss what I'm known for. And instead, I will discuss my obscure creative pursuits. And don't ask me about the uh, arrows and the nonfiction, because that's what Billy Bob Thornton would do. I love it. I, this is exactly the dead silence I was hoping for. I'm just kidding, guys. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> well, you, you probably don't know what I'm talking about, but Billy Bob, um, there's a couple of interviews. There's one in particular. Okay. Uh, he's in a band, right? Famous actor Billy Bob Thornton. Right. There's an interview out there where he was on this show that was a music show, and he, he was there with the band, and he got really rude with the host because the host happened to refer to, you know, hey, you're also famous, of course, for being an actor, blah, blah. And he just, he's a complete a-hole to the guy. Right. You know, I'm not here to discuss that. <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> there's the context of my drug obscure humor. <laughs> it's okay. Bring it on. We're, we're a bit obscure here ourselves. In fact, I have to tell you that when Dave told me we were in the top 5% of all podcasts, I looked at Dave and I said, you're blanking. We're covered by the FCC here. You're blanking me on this one, right? <laughs> no, I actually took a screenshot. He did. He had to prove it to me. All right. Now, <laughs> you, you are a much-awaited guest. Dave has been waiting. Captain Dave has been waiting for weeks to get to get you on here. Well, oh, I'm just so excited. And Well, yeah, now I, I can't. You're saying I can't spill the beans. I'm excited because I hear you're going to be making a trip up here. All right. Now you can spill the beans, uh, Dave. I sure am. Yeah, and we're gonna. I get to meet you guys, and uh, uh, and Dave, I'm excited to have you on board with this event too, because um, I, I mean, I'm looking forward to picking your guys' brains because you guys are the local guys up there on the ground that are able to dig into this big mystery. Oh, he's been you know? digging. He's been digging. Yeah, but uh, one thing that I found out that you might be a little disappointed in. Well, let's let's get to that in a minute. So let, we can, let's not shortcut the guest, Captain Dave. I'm like, hey, he's, we've been trying to get him on for three weeks. Okay, so let me let me break the bad news to him first. Well, let I him, just let him sell some books, Dave. Uh, uh, uh. All right. Well, before before we get let's let's do this chronologically. Okay. Okay. So why don't you why don't you tell us about the series of books that you've written and how you got sucked into the whole arrow thing. Ah, well, um, that's very interesting because, um, I had first heard of, um, of, uh, the Sonora arrow club, uh, kind of, um, what's the, what's the word? Um, I'm, I'm doing a brain dump perpendicularly. Is perpendicularly. Yeah, asymmetrically, <laughs> asymmetrically, I guess you call it whatever. Uh, as a side comment, um, I believe from um, from uh, Greg Bishop. Oh, okay. Perhaps was the first time I and then there was some stuff I was reading. Uh, r- really, um, it was the John Keeley book by Theo Pimans, uh, John okay. W. Keeley book, uh, published by AUP. And it talks about Clara Bloomfield more, and, and it talks about uh, um, it, it, 
the 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 name the word Nimza right. is mentioned in it, and of course it refers to Delshow. Right. Well, um, that led to uh, the uh, Sean Castile book, which is I think just as much Tim Schwartz as it is Sean's book, probably. And because uh, I've talked to him since then, and that's where I learned about uh, a little bit more about you know the 1890s airship. I had been familiar with that for years. Everybody. Um, But I've learned a little bit more within, again, a touchstone of Del Shaw as mentioned, you know, that kind of thing. And um, it it was just like little little tidbits that kind of made me aware of the basic story, right? In things that were not related to any of my research. But, But what really pulled me in was when I was working on um, the investigation uh, research for my first Empire of the Wheel book, which I would go on to write with Rick Spence, a guy you, I'm sure you guys are familiar with. Right. And um, in that research, um, in this mystery that happened in, I say it's a mystery, and it was, if you read the newspapers back then, in 1915, around this time of year, there were some really weird deaths happening of children, of adults, and um, just kind of strange events. Well, on November 30th of 1915, a 24-year-old man named Frank Rosasco is arrested on a train leaving San Bernardino, um, ready to leave San Bernardino, bound for Barstow, and he's having a nervous breakdown. He is detained on, on, the, on the train. Tra- on the train, he's having a nervous breakdown. On the train. While he's wow. on the train, he's having a nervous breakdown. They call the police. They take him over to uh, the, the county hospital and put him in the psych ward. And he is diagnosed as, as uh, dangerously paranoid. Okay, now, the context of what was going on is they had a bona fide potential, not just murder mystery, but a potential serial killer mystery going on. In town, there were, you know, very questionable deaths that were looking like murders. They were even talking about that theme in the newspaper. So imagine my surprise when I'm reading that, uh, I think the day after or two days after he was arrested, he is released into the custody of unnamed, unidentified friends from Sonora. Now, my first thought is, Sonora. It couldn't be, but I'll look. So I looked up, you know, are there any Rosascos in Sonora, Mexico? No, there's a Sonora, I think in Texas or Arizona, there's no Rosascos. I sure as heck found a Rosasco family in Tuolumne County. Yes. It's a very prominent family. Sure. Very prominent family. And what I discovered was that Frank was the son of, I think, Giuseppe, Joseph, um, the, the, the patriarch who came to California in the 1850s and established his ranch. Now, if you recall, in the Del Shao material, he talks about Italian ranchers who were allowing the Aero Club to use their barns as hangers. So, here you have, in 1950, this bizarre uh, situation going on that looks like there's a killer on the loose. This young guy is having a nervous breakdown on the train. And by the way, um, one of the, the most recent victim at that time was a woman, an unidentified woman 
who they said numerous times in the paper, they found no suicide note, no purse, no hat, nothing. This guy is clutching a woman's purse on the train. So the wow. point is, for all intents and purposes, he looks like he'd be a number one suspect in a murder case, right? Sure. Sure. But they release him. They release him into the custody of unnamed, unidentified friends from Sonora, naturally Sonora, California, okay? Who were these powerful people, powerful enough to have a, a, a guy who'd lost his mind, who could be a suspect in murders, just released, you know, into their custody? Frank Rosasco returns home. Now, this was an engineering student. He had a brilliant mind. He had a great reputation. He had a bright future ahead of him. He'd gone to Berkeley. Engineering student. Okay. After San Bernardino, he returns home and he spends the remaining 58 years of his life doing nothing but mathematical equations, calculations, astronomical observations, and doing survey of some spot on the family property. Now, we're talking about the original Rosasco family ranch that's down by uh, Don something lake. Don Pedro. Don, or Don Pedro, yes. Yep. I guess. Yeah, Don Pedro Reservoir Lake or whatever. And um, 58 years every day of his life, astronomical observations, mathematical calculations, surveying something on the property. Now, I ask you, how Lovecraftian is that? What happened to Frank Rosasco and Sam Rodino? And I even talked to Nathan, who was one of the living family members now. And he talked to his mother, who at the time was, I think, around 90. And um, he told me that, that when he asked her about Frank, she goes, oh, yeah, Uncle Frank. She said to him unsolicited, she goes, yeah, he went down there to San Bernardino and lost his mind. And um, we were supposed to get together, Nathan and I. And, of course, that didn't happen. He begged off and, you know, as you might imagine, he's probably not supposed to talk about what happened to Uncle Frank. So that, all of that, totally sucked me in to really diving into the Sonora Aero Club mystery. And, um, you know. So the mystery continues, huh? Yeah, I know Agnes. Oh, I, Orozco. Pardon? I know Agnes. Uh, I, oh. It's a prominent family here. She's a kick. She was yes. a Tuolumne oh, yeah. queen. Uh, they're all eccentric. Oh, my gosh. And, um, uh, we used to I play music it. with her. Um, Maybe she should be invited to the uh, conference. Well, no, she's in a uh, home. Uh, no. Oh. Uh, but in, in the earlier days, they were kicked, those people. The thing that attracted me is that it's just this authentic Tuolumne voice that comes through in mm-hmm. the shower writings. When he's quoting uh, those guys uh, pontificating on Aero Club designs and the practical jokes and the antics of the boarding house. And uh, yeah. <laughs> that's the kind of thing that attracts me because that yeah. was life uh, here. Yeah. And uh, this whole area was bitten by the airship craze, as everyone probably was in the 19th century. And uh, we've dug up some great uh, pictures of uh, people flying balloons all around here. Now, those were stationary or uh, 
uh, non-navigatable uh, balloons. Mm -hmm. uh, but everybody mm -hmm. had the balloon craze. Everybody was looking up in the sky. And, um, Excellent. Uh, and then when, <clears throat> when the uh, airship mysteries finally happened, so the, the one that you find in the newspaper that always comes up when you go search online is the Sacramento sighting, which, yes. is, uh, which was November 28th, if I remember correctly. And uh, but yes. a defunct Calaveras paper um, did it November 12th. Uh, and by that time, yeah. those lights had been seen so much in the sky that all the headline uh, read was seen here too. <laughs> and you know, and, I'm I'm glad you mentioned these. I'm glad you brought up these dates because I like to point that out to the skeptic knuckleheads who constantly fall back on, "Oh, it was just all an April Fool's joke." Yeah, in November. Yeah, that makes no sense. <laughs> now, the <laughs> earliest I could find in the Union Democrat was on December 11th. And, uh, mm -hmm. but they were talking about incident that happened the week previous. And, mm -hmm. uh, um, well, I, I crossed, I personally crossed my Rubicon with the, uh, Sonora Aero Club story, uh, years ago. Um, I, I'm, for me personally, um, people say Del Shao's nothing but an outsider artist. It's all fantasy. I no, I vehemently disagree with that. Um, there, there is enough evidence out there to back up um, his story, and uh, I just think there's too much there to write him off as an outsider artist. No, I've uh, I can actually take you to the approximate site of where uh, Peter Menace probably launched his Arrow Goosey. I can take Excellent. you to the blacks or the uh, butcher shop where the Shao works. I can show you the cabinet shop of Meister Freud. Fr Freund. Oh, <laughs> um, his name was really Fred. Meister is a, that's master, because he was a master carpenter yes. maker. It's like a brewmaster right. or anything. And he it was just quite the character. I mean, he wore, you know, a top hat and stuff, but he had the fit, a la Emperor Norton, this guy. Okay? And, mm -hmm. um, and he was also uh, related somehow to a German emperor. And... Uh, well, now, <clears throat> isn't that... What? I, I said, isn't that interesting? Yeah, because that plays into the Nimza thing. Potentially. Yeah, certainly. Certainly, you know, the whole Prussian, uh, you know, the Prussian officer who Delshaw refers to, of course, um, and uh, exactly. So uh, he's it, the it, one it, it, He's the one that made that famous mm -hmm. rigged bed. Uh, see, the practical <laughs> jokes that they played on one another, there's a story about uh, this guy's Frederick, Fred. And uh, he made a bet mm -hmm. with this guy, and the loser was supposed to uh, wheelbarrow the guy up and down the street and uh, have to pay for a drink at every saloon they passed. Well, that's all Washington Street was, <laughs> was saloons. There's still and, a lot of them. Uh, yeah, I mean. We even, we even have a, <clears throat> we'll show you, we'll take you there, but we even have a bar that's also a gun shop. 
Yeah, that's a real the sportsman's club. That's uh, <laughs> sportsman. Yeah, that's that, been there forever. That, huh? Is that in Old Town Columbia or Sonora? No, that's Sonora. in Sonora, right on the main street. Right. It's called a sportsman. Sonora, yeah, you can get a beer and buy a rifle. Now, you guys might have information on this, but um, it, it, um, is it possible that it was uh, former members of the Sonora Aero Club that were part of the the uh, the founding of E Clampus Vitus? No, I I haven't. Uh, I have some found some really interesting things uh, about the Clampers. That's Ezra Dane mm -hmm. and Chief Fuller, and all those guys. Um, uh, there was like this revival of Clampers that didn't happen till when it was like the '30s or something. And uh, okay, but the one the one thing that you have to kind of and you'll experience it when you come. One of the and we've talked about it numerous times. One of the things that actually boggles our mind, both of us, is that when you come to Sonora, nobody talks about the Sonora Aero Club. No, right. did, did you know? Nobody talks about Club. That's true. That's why I was so excited <laughs> about um, uh, Nimzicon because yeah. uh, I tried to at one point. I tried to bring together the Board of Supervisors, the City Council, um, the school district, because we wanted to use the school district property, and the Blue Zone Project. We have one of those up here. And tried to convince them to launch a balloon from the uh, field here at the Dome. That's where it broadcasts And uh, do a recreation, speechifying, and uh, to try to get across that 19th century uh, fever that they had yeah. for invention and science and the what the the next yeah. greatest thing. Well, actually, we were we were gonna uh -huh. we are gonna talk to you about it because if Nimzicon this, and we'll we'll mm -hmm. get to that in a sec. But if Nimzicon goes well, you know we we might be able to up up level it next year. Yeah, so it'd be like Kexburg. Yeah. Always. Uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why are the Codes the 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 markings the symbols on the acorn, the same ones that are in the Deschau book. Is that because the guys yeah, who made the acorn um, weren't they some UFO show or something that made that? At Kecksburg, next well, to the fire station, they had that concrete acorn with the markings on it, and it's Deschau's code markings. Yeah, it's very similar. There are several of them. Some of them are, are very similar. And that's that's one of the best parts of the mystery is, you know, why did Delshaw um, use these particular symbols? And why do some of these symbols turn up uh, elsewhere? Joseph Farrell's presentation is going to blow your minds because it gets into that very topic. Right. And it, he has done really interesting research. Now, I come from the school of thought that, um, of course, uh, uh, Kecksburg was something that um, the U.S. government was uh, very possibly doing uh, based upon their capture of whatever the Nazi bell actually was. Right. And I personally have, have uh, you know, kind of laid out my thread of research and think that there is uh, a direct line to um, the Sonora Aero Club and what Peter Menace and, and them were doing. Um, because when you look in the, um, 
in the drawings, I discovered it by looking at the Stephen Romano book, there's the bell. There is the mechanism. Now, in the, in the 1850s, this would have been a proof-of-concept version of it, but there it is. So you could argue that it's no surprise at all, right, that the symbols on the Kecksburg acorn are, you know, some of the same ones that Dell shall use, yeah. right? I mean, it, to me, it makes perfect sense. Well, I also think that it's, <clears throat> it's rather interesting that when you do look at the the German connection with the bell, mm-hmm. that everybody that was involved in the control of the the secret weapons programs was somehow related to Prussians. That you've got Goering, who is originally the head of the program, he was the Reich's protector of Prussia. He married into Prussian aristocracy. Yep. Later, you have Kamler. Kamler was a Prussian, and it and there mm-hmm. was there's a document floating around where another SS general officer was evaluating Kamler or discussing Kamler with another one, another general officer in the SS, and said that Cam- uh-huh. while Kamler was an excellent Nazi and totally bought into the program, he always got the sense that Kamler was reporting to somebody else, that he was loyal. Yeah, so and, Yeah. Who was he reporting to? <laughs> Nimza. <laughs> Oh, one thing that I did want to do, because Dave asked about this uh, a few weeks ago, was what is your translation of Nimza? Oh, gosh. Um, It is... uh, Hold on a second. You knew I had to ask you that one. Yeah. um, It's awful. I always uh, flub my own translation, and I should have expected you were going to ask me that. I would have had the book open to that page but okay. essentially what i what i reduced it down to in our vernacular of uh, military industrial complex because right. what what nimza might mean was was their version of their military industrial complex and so um you're talking about the nationalist um uh pursuit <laughs> the nationalist airship operational, military, airship, whatever, um, uh, program office. Like we would have, you know, the stealth fighter program office, right? Right. That's essentially um, what my translation was. That's interesting. For the application of what Delshaw was talking about within that context. However, however, um, you know, I think that with NIMSA, you've got, kind of like an Egyptian hieroglyphic element uh, factor uh, going there because it can have multiple meanings, like a hieroglyphic you know, right. can have multiple meanings on different levels. I think there was an ancient um, thing, whatever it was, that ref, ref, you, know, was ref, you could call NIMSA. Sure. And I think, yes, this Prussian group, I, this mysterious group NIMSA, whatever they were, they were doing stuff um, inspired by an ancient, uh, old, old tradition, okay, of, of lost science research, that kind of thing. So, um, yes, they found a way to use that word uh, effectively for what they were doing. Now, some people say, oh, Walter, that's a stretch, that's a stretch. Well, oh, no. not if you understand the multi-level way that Egyptian hieroglyphs work, not if you understand esoteric 
an es- exoteric symbolism. So right? uh, I went to Hebrew school, and uh, every letter right. has its own meaning, and you play with uh, cut the different combinations of letters. Not- and that they actually uh, mean multiple things. Well, not just that. I mean, in a military sure. context, you know, <clears throat> they do stuff like that all the time. But the uh, right. uh, the that DMXO or the five letter. Uh, now that NIMSA is based on Pete Navarro's uh, translation. Of uh, those those symbols that appear on uh, on multiple of the drawings, it was during a certain period of years that he uh, every drawing he did, he did that. Help me out now. Was it D M yeah. uh, X O with a uh, another mark in there? Yeah. Um, Joseph Farrell, um, and he's going to be presenting this at Nimsicon. What he sees in there too is an operative. Um, physics equation, okay. and um, yeah, it has the equal he, sign. Yeah, he, he showed this to me years ago. Extrapolated it out, and it's it's amazing. And um, he's he's extrapolated it further. He's uh, done more research on it, and that's what he'll be presenting um, next weekend. Wow! And it is it is you know the double meaning. I think that it was the um the uh uh coded um way to uh, r- the coded way in which nimza um left its stamp in other words you have the five symbols they do they do represent the nymza while at the same time they represent what um joseph is uh unfolding with it being um some type of physics equation. Um, it, it's just, he, he, he explains it so much better than I do. So that I'm is, going to leave it to him. That is curious <laughs> that the, uh, in Hebrew, the uh, uh, letters are also the numbers. So, sure. Oh, okay. This, this is, yeah, I've not heard of the uh, Hebrew analysis of this. That's very interesting. I look forward to uh, hearing more about that. Well, no, my approach is and just a local history buff. <laughs> I found all these ah. places that are in Deshaw's books. As much as you can mm-hmm. have available to you and read, mm-hmm. especially like the uh, stories, stories of the boisterous life of the mother load. But um, yeah. uh, uh, every place he mentions, I mean, who else would know where Montezuma is? You know, who yeah. Shaw's Flat, uh, Woods mm. Creek. Uh, mm-hmm. And I can show you exactly uh, because based on his writings, it becomes pretty clear. He says he gathered together all the inhabitants of Woods Creek to gather around mm-hmm. uh, to witness the event. And mm-hmm. uh, I know exactly where that is. It's not a very big place. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty small, actually. Yeah, but... The couple of times I've been up there, um, I have I haven't been able to explore everything that Delshaw uh, I you know named. Um, I I saw signs that you know because there are some signs that lead to certain spots. I think like Woods Creek is 
is one of them. But I haven't been to the actual location, so I'm I'm really uh, kind of looking forward to getting up there and, and you showing this. Especially since when you find out that it's like sitting directly on top of like the largest gold bearing quartz vein that just goes all the way up Highway 49. That is the yeah. site of the yeah. Harvard mine, the largest gold-producing well, mine in the world. And and it turns out that it's it's near something called Table Mountain. And Table Mountain has a lost civilization under it. Uh, so Josiah Whitney, our first state uh, uh, geologist, was the owner of the Harvard mine. And when they dug uh-huh. up under Table Mountain, which is called an inverted landscape, some of the rarest geological uh-huh. features in the world. And uh, they yeah. found, uh, besides cartloads of mastodon bones, uh, they also find wow. remains of uh, ar- artifacts of uh, human uh, inhabitation. And that oh, dates cool. back a million and a half years ago. So it's an out-of-place artifact. Which is interesting because you were yeah. saying you were saying that, that there's some evidence that what the Sonora Air Club was working on, they got it, whether they got it via NIMSA or themselves. It's something that came out of antiquity. Well, the place where they were doing this stuff is next to Table Mountain, and Table Mountain has an apparently massive lost civilization under it. So the the threads are starting to connect. Okay, they found the top of a skull and some tools. But still, they hey, weren't. They were there where they weren't supposed to be. Now they are pushing back. Uh, how long man has been here? Yeah, they, but still, dude, one point five million years. I mean, yeah. that's, we were not anywhere one point five million years ago. Um, but that is in our state geology book. Yeah, but oh, it, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait a minute. I happen to look at things from the Vedic perspective, so. 1.5 million. Oh, yeah, and, no, no. From a Vedic point of view, 1.5 million. Oh, yeah, the, uh, the guy That's came. Uh, who, who's the name of that guy? He came here to Sonora. I'm uh, checking that stuff out. The guy that's proponent Kramer. of the. What's his name? Cremo? Uh, Richard Cremo? Yeah, Cremo. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Cremo. yeah, that's yeah, the guy. Cremo he came, came up here, gave a lecture to the Historical Society. Yeah. Uh, he was very interested in the Table Mountain artifacts. But now, yeah, I've been. Go ahead. I've just recently started diving into um, the Vedic angle on this. I I have um, one of my um, uh, regular viewers, subscribers at my uh, YouTube channel, has sent me some uh, just incredible uh, uh, volumes, just fascinating stuff that I'm, I'm beginning to pour through because I do I do think we can trace. Um, the the at some point in the source thread, we can trace it back to the um, this lost Rama Empire, so to speak. Well, you know, you know what's interesting about that is that if you go that route, right, and, and you're looking at the the Vedas and and that lost empire, mm-hmm. you know, the, there's always yeah. been an argument that some of the survivors of that went to Lemuria in in the the lost continent yeah. in the in the Pacific, the, um, now sure. obviously we're, we're in the mountains. So, <clears throat> you know, we're way East <laughs> of the ocean, but the Yurok have a, have a story about the Wage 
who were sur- basically well, it's intimated that they were survivors of Lemuria and that they lived in the mountains yeah. along the uh, the Sierra Range, starting with Shasta yeah. going south. Well, they they have a very uh-huh. strong tradition of the Wage, and in fact, when mm-hmm. the the Spaniards came to California, they saw their ships coming and thought that the Wage had come back, so they called them the Wagesh, the children of the Wage, and they thought that they were moving mm-hmm. on, or they were on moving uh, islands that were pushed by clouds, which is the ship and the sails. So, and there there's supposedly a lost city, according to Childress, he heard there's a lost city outside of Klamath Falls. So, you know, this idea that it could be the Vedic, you know, Vedic, there, it's, there's something to it because there's a route. There's definitely a route to here from India, right? Yeah, and I, in my Secret Missions 5, Veiled Destinies book, I go into um, the idea that California, the California that we know, um, does have a connection possibly to um, the, a lost civilization that is talked about in um the, the uh, this novel, the Spanish novel that was very popular uh, around the time that Christopher Columbus was making his voyages here, um, La Sergis de Splandion or something. I'm getting the title messed up. I don't have the book right in front of me. And it talks about um, this uh, Queen Calafia and her Amazon army um, that uh, was involved with... Um, Oh my gosh, uh, a war over in, um, you know, where Turkey is and stuff, the Black Sea region. But I did an analysis and um, the assumption is made that they were talking about this kingdom of Amazons from the African continent. But when you look more close, it's it's not necessarily Africa. And when you consider how many of the Spanish explorers and the conquistadors were fans of that book and had that book with them when they were coming to the Americas. And I argue in my um, Secret Missions Five Veiled Destinies book that some of them were aware of something like what we're talking about in California. That's what made California so special in that regard was because they believed that there was this lost civilization. And I do this analysis of what we know about the geography and the flora and the fauna and this, that, and the other. And it, and, and you could argue that California indeed was the location of uh, Queen Calafia's kingdom. Well, That's right. They, would ro- they were uh, beautiful, naked Amazon women that would roll themselves in gold dust to clothe themselves every morning and wash yeah, it off at night. <laughs> Well, I'll give you. I'll give you another. Would, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to tell you. I'll, I'll give you one more. That's that's rather interesting. Is that there? There's a wall. Well, you know this. We've talked about. It. There's a wall that runs. Yep. Runs along the East Bay Hills in the in the San Francisco Bay Area. Well, it turns out that the that wall is part of a larger complex that runs from about Fresno north to the Oregon border, and it runs. Yeah. All the way along the coast. And right now, if you go up to where that wall is up in the East Bay Hills and you go check it out, it's about four feet, roughly four feet off the ground. And it's stacked rock. It's roughly four feet off the ground. Mm -hmm. 
Well, when I went up there with Scott Walter on America on Earth, right, we brought a shovel uh-huh. and we started digging down. And we dug down about another three feet and it was still there. Yeah. So the actual yeah. height of that wall is roughly at least seven feet high. So at that point, yeah. I mean, obviously with stacked rock, and it's very thick, with stacked rock, that's tricky mm-hmm. to do. But if, you know, now going on what you're talking about, a defensive wall like that, because it literally runs along the coast all the way to the Oregon border, and it goes inland and it rings mountains. It actually, and if you mm-hmm. look at satellite photos of it, I actually plotted it out using uh, Google Earth. It actually looks like a walled city. So you have a wall, then you have a city around the base of a mountain, whether it's Shasta or Lassen, the the Sutter Buttes, whatever. Uh-huh. Inside that larger wall, it looks like there are streets and in, in buildings. Again, from Fresno yeah. all the way to the Oregon border. So that, that sure. you know, that plays into the Wage, Lemuria, lost, you know, some sort of lost so kingdom. The- the Paiutes talked about the Havmasuvs, uh, with their flying silvery canoes. Um, and, uh, they were, you know, right there in the Panamint mountains over in death Valley. So, you know, again, more, more, um, California ancient strangeness, um, you know, just kind of surrounding that whole area. Well, it's, it's interesting. Cause you know, the other thing I want to get into with you at some point is about the Telluric fields. Because one of the things that Dave was Mm -hmm. pointing out to me is that when you look at Tuolumne County, we actually have Mm -hmm. one of the highest rates of UFO sightings and Bigfoot in the entire state, if not the entire country. So we're uh, number Mm -hmm. uh, five in North America City. So although California as a whole has the most sightings, Sonora is the only city Uh that made the top ten. And uh, we're number five. And yeah. uh, Bigfoot, we're number two in California, number three nationwide. But again, you know, you talk about wow. the telluric fields and the fact that the arrows would follow yeah. these telluric fields. We seem to be yeah. some sort of high think- conjunction for it. Well, you remember, oh, God, yes. Um, uh, Sachery has done an extensive analysis of Tuolumne County, all wait. the communities there, and, and he's identified uh, these currents. I, I'll be bringing the map with me oh, so I good. can show you guys. And remember I mentioned Frank Rosasco's obsession with doing survey on some unidentified spot on the original family ranch down there by Don, Don Pedro Lake. Now, right. I will show you on the map, Sachery has identified an intersection of several telluric currents on the uh, that Rosasco family ranch property. And we we argue that that intersection of the telluric current is the spot that Frank was obsessed with. Hey, d- hey, Dave, do you know if they still own that ranch? I don't know. I thought they had so uh, they they own property up in Tuolumne. Uh, they have a big uh, mon- family headstones and stuff up there. Because see, everybody. Okay, so. Uh, Everybody that had businesses uh, here in these communities, like, okay, you, the livery stable. Well, yeah, they had horses there, but that isn't where they kept their horses. They right. had these ranches uh, places. The, mm-hmm. the, they had the butcher shop in town, but uh, the ranch where they raised the cows was pretty far away from here. And Hey, Dave, 
You know, you know approximately where I live, right? No, I, actually, I've never been to your house. No, but no. you know approximately where it is, where, right? Where is it? Uncle Tom's Drive. Okay, so that's Shaw's Flat, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I guess. Well, I'm it above is. it. Yeah, Shaw's Flat is one of the towns that were mentioned. Yeah, to Shaw. I live above Shaw's Flat. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, you can look down onto Shaw's Flat. And there was, uh, it was an old mining community. Well, I have a mine under my house. Yeah. See, now, <laughs> that is what's about Sonora. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that musical. Uh, what is that where Lee Marvin and the town collapses? It's a musical comedy. Cat Baloo? Uh, no, not Cat, Cat Baloo. Um, uh, Paint, but your it, it, Paint Your Wagon? Paint Your Wagon. And that's Sonora. And so the whole town did start to collapse because of all the tunnels that had been dug under the city, and they had to, like, prop it back up. So that's why it was so hard for me to try to identify the boarding house he actually lived in, because he talks about those rocks out back when the hot Ah. days, they used to all go hang out in the rocks and start talking and stuff. Now, Mrs. Madame Glans, who every person in that boarding house was crushed on, um, she she wasn't the uh, couldn't have been the owner of the boarding house. What she must have been is just the manager, you know, the one taking care of the boarding house. Although I have identified mm-hmm. a few boarding houses that are still standing that date from that time, because every every boarding mm-hmm. house had the saloon downstairs and the uh, rooms upstairs. Now the one that was built in 1852 that still survives this day. Uh, that, that's still there. But all those rocks have been buried. And underneath Sonora's is like caverns uh, in some places. Just And Woods Creek, the only way you can access it, because it's under the town now, uh, there's one place where you have to walk down a flight of stairs, and then you see uh, the creek. It runs under the city now. And there was also the locations in Columbia, old Columbia, uh, Delshell talks about that too. Um, you know, as we know, um, where Delshell identifies where they would fly the arrows um, out in Colombia is the location of the airport now. I've always found that really interesting. Well, uh, you know, the, the fire that happened in, what was it, 1858 and destroyed, I think it was Aerodora. And uh, Mm -hmm. the dove, maybe it was the dove. But he mentions that Mm -hmm. uh, one of the, and that fire did happen. I mean, that that fire did happen. So they at least had the arrow uh, housed there for it to be destroyed. Uh, But that that fire is authenticated. You can verify so much of what is in those books that I have no doubt in my mind that he was here. What little that I did, you know, I felt like, you know, hey, wait a minute, this backs it up. And, you know, there's been other researchers who claim to go up there and not find a, 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 an iota of evidence. And I'm thinking, okay, they're either BSing us or they just didn't try because you find, the, for instance, the name Newell. Remember, George Newell was one of the Sonora Aero Club yes. members. Well, the Newell name is still there. Um, and I found some of the other ones in the phone book. The families are still there. Oh, yeah. Um, so it'd be interesting to talk with them. 
Well, you know, one if of the they things know anything about it. One of the things that I thought was interesting is that, you know, they they talk about well, I went to the I went to the the uh, cemetery, and I couldn't find anything. It's like, yeah, but which cemetery did you go to? I mean, just in Sonora right, alone, we multiple. have like five. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they're they're hidden. <laughs> like, there's one over by, off, I think it's Schoolhouse Road. It's it's hidden way back in the sticks. Yeah. We have a Masonic cemetery. Have a Hebrew, yeah. Cemetery. Have a Hebrew cemetery. Yeah, um, we were doing. I've only re- I've only been two of the cemeteries there, just two. So I need to see more. Oh yeah, no, there's a bunch. And but th- what also happens is we were doing a research into uh, his lordship, Richard Buckley, Lord Buckley. He was born and raised up here, and um, you and Buckley. Uh, he was the uh, yeah, I, first I flower child. I know. Church of the Living Swing, 1958. Anyway. Uh, okay, <laughs> so... Uh, uh, we eventually found records, but when you start going through those record books, they aren't by date. They just shove those things in a book and s- s- clamp them together. But you see, that's that's um, why I think the clampers. I think the clampers ha- ECV has some sort of archive somewhere. I'm sure there's stuff in yep. there. I know that they they don't really do anything about it. They they have one monument to an arrow in Livermore. That arrow in Livermore. At the airport, that's mm-hmm. it. They don't really discuss it. They don't really do anything about it. But I believe that they have it in their archive somewhere because they've got to have a massive archive to know I, this stuff. You know, even here. I agree. And you know what else? Go ahead. Somebody, somebody has an intact arrow from the 1850s club. You think so? Yes. It's possible. I do. Do you think you know who has it? No, um, maybe no, I don't. I mean, you know, you could. I, I, it might be one of the clampers. That might be part of. I wonder if they know, have one. I don't know, but in some of those old garages in Columbia, oh, you yeah. should see some of those hand pumpers and stuff they have. No, there's there. a, there's oh, a lot oh. of there's a lot of old weird stuff up here. We did find a photo at the Historical Society Research Center. See what's happening right now is they've just got over to a new computer system they have a bunch of stuff stored here at the dome so it's just boxes that Mm -hmm. haven't been cataloged and uh, oh my goodness uh so we're going through there and we did find i mean it's an arrow of some sort even has the carbon arc light in the front and then two bags on the side it's a photograph it's a photograph uh, we have photographs yeah we have photographs of uh them launching stuff from the 1890s. And I don't know when this picture was taken. It's not identified. It's just a picture. Oh, we have a real cute one of uh, uh, the aero phenomenon was so on fire that they had a Tuolumne Day at the Panama Exposition, 1909-1910. They had a Tuolumne Day, a week. I think it was a Tuolumne week. And we had these postcards of them posing in a, in an airship, it's a mock airship, but uh, you have photos of that too. Yeah, I do. I think I think Walter's going to want a copy of that photo. <laughs> Walter, what, yeah, am uh, I right it, about that? Do I have to? Do I have to wait till next week to even see one? <laughs> I don't know. I think Dave can. Hook I'm him. anxious. Captain Dave, this hook him great. up. No, but I, I, it was, <laughs> you brought up such a fascinating idea that. Uh, 
an arrow hidden away in some uh, garage in uh, yep. Columbia. I, uh, I've seen those. Uh, or wherever. Who knows? Maybe the Rosascos have one. Because remember, remember, um, uh, 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 it was the, he, specifically says the Italian ranching families yes. were providing. Yes, he did. You know, yeah. the hangers, the barn for hangers. So makes sense. Why, it seems to me the one of them families would uh, possibly be the possessor of an intact arrow. All right. Well, we're going to stop there because uh, we're going to take a short break for about 10 minutes. You're lis- listening to the okay. Enigma Hour on KADLP 103.5 Sonora. Uh, well, 103.5 FM, Sonora, California. And uh, we're going to take a short break, uh, and then we'll be right back in about 10 minutes.
All right, we're back. This is the Enigma Hour with Captain Tiki and Captain Dave. I'm Olaf Phillips. I'm Captain oh. Tiki. We got we got a good old Walter Bosley on here right now. That was him groaning because we're up late tonight. No, that was me. That was me going oh because I recognized the music from uh, from um, Gosh darn it, The Life Aquatic. The Life Aquatic. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, you got to have something to bring it back. So I did the Ping Island Lightning Strike R- Commando Rescue. Excellent. Yeah. So okay. So you know, Dave, Dave and I were Captain Dave and I were talking, and we're really intrigued by this. There's an arrow out there somewhere. We gotta. Yeah. We gotta track this thing down. Uh, you darn right, we do. I mean. And it sounds like um, that archive um, with these photos um, should have some good leads. But, uh, yeah, we need to be pulling all threads and uh, checking out all leads because I really do. I, I, I don't just say that to titillate. I, I really do. I've suspected for a long time that, that somebody has, uh, at least one, somebody has an intact arrow. Well, it makes sense. You know, up to this point, the Arrow Club is a... Uh, oh, originally, it was called the Planes Omnibus Company, the original name for the Sonora Arrow Club. And uh, But it's been like a secret thing passed among friends. You go into some hipster's house, and you'll see that Romano book sitting on the coffee table. Yeah. And then it's like... Yep. You nod at each other, like, and it's um, yeah. it's all the old uh, um, people that give this place its flavor. Yeah, but it's it. Nobody talks about it here. No, it's a um, kind it's of a, like a little secret thing. It is. It is like a secret thing um, here. But but then on the other hand, you can people. It's like that. You know, there's people that live around who've never been to Yosemite. True. I, I went uh, st- uh, researching the Azanazi ruins, and everybody that lived there never been to them. Well, I mean, I... I it's just like, yeah. it's accepted a day-to-day thing. <laughs> um, so I, uh, my old doctor, she retired now, but I say, well, what do you do in your spare time? You know, oh, right. your family have any hobbies? And she goes, yeah, we... Uh, I don't know what night it was, Thursday night or something, they go out with their lawn chairs and uh, look for... The dancing lights in the sky. Yeah, and that's yeah. what people do. So it's like a, almost everyday kind of thing. It's accepted. Um, Aero Club uh, might, but we gotta, I, I, uh, we're doing the research now. Yeah. Well, it, you and Walter definitely need to... Well, you know what it is here in Tuolumne County is that we're aging out and uh, we're the generation that's now the culture bearers. Right. And we have to reinterpret history to... Um, pass it on. Yeah, to pass it on. Up till now, it has yep. been like mostly just, you know, the established families that have been here for six generations right. and stuff. And uh, there are other things uh, in our past and we're discovering uh, lots of interesting things. That's some of which we have talked about on the yes, show. Yes, this is true. 
So now, Walter, so you've brought everybody together for this Nimzicon thing. So why don't, why don't you tell us about Nimzicon? Well, it's something that um, I think you and I talked about a couple of years ago, right? We did. We did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we did. We talked a couple of years ago about it. I talked with Seshari and, um, you know, and then, of course, the, the, the COVID era right. phase or whatever hit and it delayed things. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I thought, what better? Because I journeyed up there in 2013 and 2014. And I thought, you know, I've been thinking for a few years, what better place to to have, you know, some type of gathering or conference, you know, dedicated to this the Del Shao Sonora Aero Club mystery than right there, you know, um, where where it happened. And, um, you know, uh, uh, over the years, the threads I was pulling uh, suggest to me you know, because it, it is, I, you know, I put stuff out there and I like to be honest. I say, hey, these extrapolations, these things, these, this is my hypothesis. And, and the ways we know, the only actual independent source we have on this thing is, is Delshow, Charles Delshow. Right. And, you know, so you have to admit, okay, all the other threads we're pulling, you know, we're hypothesizing on this. But to me, it, it's the, the threads and the, um, the, the points that I, I, argue that I can base it on, um, are pretty strong. So, uh, the, the whole, this whole NIMSA thing really, um, to me, you know, as you know, started emerging, um, in the thread that lead the, the threads that tie the Sonora Aero Club era and its players through the airship mystery period of the 1890s. Cause you have the Wilsons for one. Oh, wow. and, check this uh, out. Professor Samuel Wilson. You know, Tosh uh-huh. is just an old Scottish word meaning full of nonsense. It means like, you know, Pasha, mm-hmm. you know, Tosh. So it's Tosh yeah. Wilson. And in the 1854 to 1858, there was a man named uh, Samuel Wilson, Professor Samuel Wilson, was going up and down the gold mines trying to raise money to build an airship. He finally... Uh, built one in uh, 1857, 100-footer, but it blew up as he exploded as he was uh, inflating it. So I don't know. Is there any relation? Surely if the Shaw was here, he would have known about Sam Wilson. Right. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think, there, I, I think it is a family because by the time you get to the 1890s, you have the elder Wilson and the younger one. Um, you know, that are uh, in, identified in the 1890s airship mystery. And when you have the d- specific descriptions of the technology used on those, um, you have some very similar things to what Delshell describes with the Sonora Aero Club. So in my mind, um, and particularly with the 1890s mystery being so prevalent in California, um, to me... There's got to be some connection via the technology and the personnel involved. I I suspect that the Wilsons associated with the Sonora Aero Club, that Wilson um, has, even though it was spelled with two L's within Delshaw's writing. Um, I think that to me, it's it's reasonable. 
to um, uh, consider that there's a familial connection to the Wilsons of the 1890s mystery. And then you've got the Wilson mystery of the post-World War II era, which uh, that's my personal connection to this, because long before I heard of the Sonora Aero Club, I knew of Wilson. And um, Wilson is an enigmatic that is known in the, um, well, the, the U.S. national security community, um, because that's where I learned um, more about him was within that context. So you've got this line of these guys from this family that are connected to this exotic, mysterious technology, and um, yet very few people know who they are. You know, they seem to, you know, stay under the uh, the surface, as it were, you right. know. And, um, I, you know, I see the thread, the, the German thread connects, runs from the um, Sonora Aero Club into the 20th century up to Nazi Germany. As you know, you're, you know, a lot of you are familiar with my research. Right. Um, and, and, through, and through what I learned about what I think is, um, see, I think Peter Menace directly took the the um, the Racine turbine that was envisioned and uh, uh, published by I think it was 1849 or 1850. McCorn Racine, one of the fathers of modern thermodynamics, study of thermodynamics, um, designed this turbine called the Racine turbine, named after him, and it was published just like. Uh, a year or two before Dale Shaw tells us, you know, the Sonora Air Club's doing their things. And when you look at, I have a video on Walter Bosley channel that uh, is titled Walter Bosley has issues with the Nazi bell. And in that I show you Del Shaw's diagram. Okay. Of how the, the soup, you know, process through the engine, the motor that, uh, that menace used. And it is identical to the, Racine Turbine, which was uh, published um, just shortly before the time, you know, Sonora Air Club would have got their hands on it. I think what I think is that uh, Peter Menace and them um, used, they applied the Racine Turbine, but they applied the soup to it, okay? Whereas the Racine Turbine would work on steam or whatever, um, uh, uh, they, they used the soup the mysterious green stuff in this. And that was key to what the arrows could do, but it is definitely the, the Racine turbine. It's just, it's identical. So, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, what that tells you is that Peter menace and these guys were definitely up on their science of the day, right? They, they were students of and thermodynamics. So they, they absolutely would have been familiar with the works of Macorn Racine. Um, so there you go. In my opinion, that's where they got the, uh, the, the, the design as diagrammed by Del Shaw. Isn't it wonderful that uh, it was this age of awe, wonder, discovery, and adventure? Uh, yes. Uh, it was just a marvelous mad scientist land. Mm-hmm. So now, now, Dave, it reminds oh, you of uh, it reminds you of the professor and the Wizard of Oz, right? 
yeah, the beginning. Yeah, sort of, I, I yeah. need to find a picture of uh, Professor Samuel Wilson to see what he looked like. You do. You need to find and, it. Uh, <laughs> so now, Dave, you you found something that you kind of teased and wanted to talk about at the very beginning of the show, but I, I stopped you. Yeah, but now you're making it kind of a big deal. I just uh, listened oh, I to your you... we, I listen, Walter. I listened to your weekly report, and you were talking about oh boy how excited you were about coming up here. But one thing you said yeah, you were looking forward to was sarsaparilla on tap. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, the Columbia Soda Works closed down a couple of years ago. Oh. And uh, the only place that still had sarsaparilla on tap to Jack Douglas, there was a uh, sickness in the family, and he's closed down right now. Uh, oh, I've, no. But we can still go to the St. James and get a really good Charlie, pizza. St. Charles. Oh, St. Charles, sorry. We can go to the St. Charles, get a really good pizza, and they do have sarsaparilla. But it's in oh, a bottle. <laughs> yeah. well, I hope it's oh, not Sioux okay. City. I don't think it is. No, I have the same. Bottled sarsaparilla is better than none. I have the same passion. The Columbia Soda Works was fabulous. What happened to them? Well, it, it got passed on twice. They even had like one of the big bottler companies uh, bottling their, their product for them. Yeah. So it was a pretty good contract, but I, maybe it was too much because first it was the candy lady, and then it was the people that were doing the Gazette. But they had stopped. I had already stopped doing the Gazette. See, Columbia is a national landmark that's a, of a special status because it's a living town. Right. People still live there mm-hmm. and do their yes. thing. And they have certain traditions mm-hmm. that have been passed on. But I'm afraid to say that over the years, it looks more and more like a state park than a living community. Uh, you have your holdouts, yeah. the old school people. Um, that what fascinates me is the dress, the uh, look. What's keeping it alive right now, their community, is, you know, they have a folk music tradition that dates back to the gold rush. And it's been passed on from generation to generation. And those street people, to me, the street musicians are the ones that kind of keeping that culture alive right now. Yeah, so... We we did find you some sarsaparilla, but All right. not on tap. Oh, <laughs> but I, I wanted to tell you beforehand so you weren't too disappointed when you got here. Oh, it'll be okay. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, you know, we're we're really looking forward to it. I know, you know, Dave's been very excited about it, and so have I. So, <clears throat> so how, when does this exactly is happening? And how can other people get involved? Now, I it's, know that... Uh, Go ahead. <laughs> it's next week. Um, we, have a, we, we already have a, a, a full schedule of speakers, um, but it's uh, Friday night. We're, ha- we're having a uh, kind of a meet-and-greet icebreaker, and there's a couple of places that uh, I've got identified for that. In the next week, I'll get with Olav and we'll pinpoint, you know, finalize which one it is. Sure. And then Saturday is the big uh, conference day. That's when we have all the speakers. And then Sunday, the uh, 15th, we're going to be, uh, you know, giving, we, we, we've got a few actual physical attendees to the event. 
and because um, it's mo- going to be mostly streaming. And uh, we'll be giving them a tour of, you know, Sonora and Old Town Columbia and, and these sites that between the stuff you guys know and, and you know, those that I identified. And uh, it's those three days, the 13th, 14th, and the 15th. Oh, uh, so, so the way that people can get involved is by streaming it. Yeah, they could, they can, yeah, they can watch it, you know, by streaming now. That's the tickets that are available, and those are at walterbosley.com. So you hear that, everybody, right? Go to walterbosley.com and get your Nimzicon tickets. So, uh, yeah. folks, get involved in uh, our local heritage and uh, come on board uh, for that. Now, I hear there's going to be uh, some special the, the, surprises. The tickets- Go ahead. Well, but I just want to say, tickets are only $20 for the streaming. That's can, a deal. How can you beat that? That really is a deal. Yeah. Um, and then I hear, do I have this wrong? That uh, You guys are going to do some ghost busting or something? Well, no, there's going to be some paranormal investigating done by Malia Grimm, who is the, the uh, host of her own um uh, stream that she does. She has done uh, ghost hunting in, um, I hate to use that term, but um, that's w- what people um, understand it to be. Um, but she's done this in Scotland. She has done uh, extensively down here in what we call the Inland Empire, um, investigating uh, the the sites involved with my empire of the wheel research, which I was describing earlier that Frank Rosasco in these mysterious deaths she has done um, uh, paranormal investigations of the sites where the victims were killed and, and just collected all sorts of interesting data. So she will be um, doing multiple sites, um, paranormal investigation of multiple sites. And uh, she looks forward also to checking out the old Sonora Inn. Oh, yeah. That was so built we'll in 1888, there. and it was the, originally called the Victorian Inn. It has, uh, it was a hand-milled slate, uh, local, that was done in the uh, mission style that was so popular at that time. And uh, that is the home of many a haunting. Oh, yes. Uh, the, uh, if I remember correctly, the elevator goes up and down by itself. A uh, little boy plays the ball on the second story. Uh, the one thing uh, strange about Tuolumne County as well is, uh, you know, a lot of the, you know, you go to any America's most haunted uh, compilations. Sometimes they just say instead, you know, every town has a haunted house, but we have mm-hmm. haunted towns. Yeah, we're, the whole town is haunted. Well, you go to Chinese camp, it's in the top 10. Oh, yeah. Um, some sites just cool. say Tuolumne County. I mean, we even have uh, a haunted swimming hole. <laughs> yeah, you were telling me about that. So so what, uh, is there anywhere in particular besides the Sonora Inn she's excited about checking out? Well, we want to, um, that's kind of, you know, we're still kind of putting together. Um, She's going to, uh, she has the devices that she uses. She'll be bringing those on the tour. So whatever spots we uh, visit, you know, in Colombia and Sonora and such, um, you know, she'll be applying it uh, there. 
And, um, you know, it's kind of a, cause we'll be there all weekend. Um, I, you know, it's a kind of a multiple site, a roving kind of thing. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, the Casina Dome and it's built in a circle. Where we broadcast from. Where we broadcast from is a 22,000 square foot building. It was, uh, um, uh, finished, opened as a school in 1909. And uh, they closed mm -hmm. it in the 60s and it had been empty ever since then for decades until we awoke it uh, six and a half or so years ago when we built the studio down in the basement. We, uh, we actually ran an SP7 <clears throat> live on the air. I don't know, we must have gotten about 15 different uh, goes. Yeah, well, you know, I started thinking uh, maybe it isn't, to, all we're hearing is the echoes of the children that played here at one point, but that it, that's a symptom. I think the entire mm. building itself, Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, what, what does a building do that's been left alone for decades? Uh, and I was thinking more along that lines, because it's funny when we first moved in here, um, things have mellowed out quite a bit. I guess the place accepts us now. <laughs> no, but seriously, we we identified at least one rather negative entity. So you might want to add that to the list. Yeah, I'm, I'm maybe okay. almost You're everywhere good. you go. Because That's I was true. talking to a lady the other day. And she had her entire ukulele club there uh, witnessing it. And uh, the uh, appliances start going on and off by themselves. And uh, it's kind of like uh, typical Tuolumne stuff. Well, that's what, I, I, that, that's what she figured we would do is once we get there, you guys would be able to fill us in, you know, tell her about some more additional oh, yeah. sites. And we'll get out to them. And then there's a there's a good spot up above Strawberry for UFOs. Or really, the truth is, is that if you want to watch see UFOs, pretty much anywhere around here with a view of the night sky. Uh, <laughs> excellent. It's, yeah, it's not you, bad. Yeah, if you go up the hill a little ways, you can get your picture taken with Bigfoot. Yeah, you Literally. can hear them, Sometimes you can hear them knock the wood knocks and the screaming. Late well, at there night. there was a famous sighting where the entire sheriff's department's tracking this thing down yeah. for three days and uh, never could find it, but it was terrorizing the neighborhood. And they actually put up a monster, a nine-foot wood carving oh, yeah. of at the strawberry store, so it's kind of yeah. like a landmark. It is now, yeah. Oh, we can... Uh, or, a, uh, or, uh, or possibly a crystallization point. Yeah. Sure. You're, you're right. Yeah. It's where the sidewalk ends and whatever <laughs> begins. Oh, if you've been up there, yeah. <laughs> but no, and you know, the other thing to think about when you think about arrows, <clears throat> telluric fields, you know, UFOs, ghosts. I think I've talked to, to David ad nauseum about this, but it's it's my feeling that we really we're really a bit of a, a hot spot. Because there's so much mm -hmm. crist crystal in the ground, you know, mm -hmm. because even further up the hill, I mean, it's granite. There's embedded quartz in everything. So we have a very well, high... Right. Huh? 
that's that's big that's big right there that there's so much granite that's that i was aware of that um in uh through Sessuri's analysis with the toler current you know because as you know um the uh the the the, the ever uh vague um dave Pilatus talks about <laughs> yes. you know the the role that granite the presence of granite plays in those uh disappearances as well and if you recall he talks about how you know the, the number one place with the most cases is Yosemite, right? Isn't right. that interesting? And uh, Sachery, I'll show you the maps. Years ago, he he identified through his analysis, um, geomorphological analysis with um, topographical maps and the whole thing, that there is yet another one of these intersections of telluric currents in that spot that Politis talks about. You know, one of some of the most fascinating disappearances. And, you know, I'll add that um, the map of the continental U.S., which I have sitting right here on the shelf, just an arm's reach away, which I will bring and show you. It's getting tattered and old and wrinkly, but uh, Sesh did that for me um, uh, a few years before I even came out with the first Empire of the Wheel book. Right. And um, when I first saw Polite's map that he did of North America, it it is virtually identical to the map Sessuri provided me years before I ever heard of David Politis. Um, it, with his map of disappearances, it's Sesh's map of the Tuller currents. Um, it, you know, so there there's something going on with the Tuller currents. There's definitely something going on with the currents in granite, of course. Right. Um, you know. Um, it, it's, there's also something going on with the cave systems, because as we oh, yeah. know, there's that famous cavern systems, which also matches the Politis map. Um, right. So well, I know. think what we've got, several of us are uh, uh, kind of investigating the same elephant. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, from de definitely from different angles. Yeah, that's all on the Tuolumne side of Yosemite. Two-thirds of uh, Yosemite is in Tuolumne County. Well, you know, two two of the sites that, that um, Politis talks about, at least in 411 mm -hmm. Hunters, if you ever watch that documentary, two of those sites yes, are just, I did. Uh, a stone's throw from here, the one where it's the... It's a kind of rest stop that overlooks the, uh, it overlooks like a, a reservoir. And I think three people disappeared mm -hmm. from it. That's, that's not far mm -hmm. from where I used to go UFO hunting. And further down the road toward Kennedy Meadows, that's where the hunters, hunter camp was, where they, they were attacked by Bigfoot and they saw uh, lightsabers flying through the forest. It's all burned to the ground, but that location is just further toward Kennedy. What do you mean the Hill. Sierra Sounds? We're recording yeah, well, here. Yeah, they did the Sierra Sounds too. Uh, in Tuolumne County. Oh yeah. No, we're we're very close to at least two of the two of the spots that he talks about. But you know what's interesting about yeah. his map, and you know I I discovered this when I was writing my first real book, was uh, <clears throat> there's a guy named Tall, and in the early '90s he drew a map which supposedly had like UFO bases, it had like the yes. Okay, you're familiar with it. Well, if you overlay oh, that, yes. yeah, if you overlay that on top of of Pilatus's map, it also lines up. So where oh, he yeah. where he yeah. fingers these secret bases is where you finger the the conjunction points, and where he shows the disappearances. Yep. They all line up. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. We're all we're all onto the same thing, and um, 
you know, uh, he's just so. It cagey. would be great. Yeah, it would be great if uh, you know Scott Walters kind of that way too. By the way, um, uh, you know these guys, if they would get over the, you know, it's my IP um, kind right. of attitude. Uh, if, and if we were able to put our minds together, we could probably make even greater headway. Um, you know, I contacted Politis, and he just kind of gruffly, rudely blew me off. Like, okay. Well, you know, you some, know whatever. somebody uh, asked him about the map that I did where I overlaid it, and he, he kind of blew it off too. Yeah, he, he's, 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 you know, I, and, and, you know, I've, I've had an interesting, you know, kind of encounter with Walter too on um, stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I want to, I want to find out the truth about this stuff. You know, I want to, I want the answer. I want to know what's going on. And that is more important than, you know, uh, you know, my ego being the guy who, you know, solves it. Um, well, but they're, they're also cagey about it. I mean, I mean, Politis, he will never tell you ever to my knowledge, what he thinks is actually going on. He always says, well, I just, I just document the disappearances. I just make maps. I don't, I don't have an opinion about what's going on, even though you know he does. Well, yeah, and he gets mad when other people uh, talk about, you know, the, the same stuff. But, you know, um, it, it, it's my point is that we could get a lot more accomplished if all of us looking at the same elephant, you know, could just get together. That's and basic say, well, here's science. You put out a hypothesis and you give it away. You find the evidence and you give it away to everybody because everybody yeah. is collaborating uh, on the yeah. same uh, mission. And uh, that's the way uh, research works. Well, I think I think really, though, you know, if because, you know, I, I've read all this stuff. I mean, I've met Scott Walter. You know, I've interacted with Polites, even though he kind of blew me off too. But, you know... The more I, you've always told me for years about these maps, and I think really yes. the, the maps and how the arrows are tied to the map to the telluric fields and telluric currents. Yes, yeah. I think that's the key. I think Sesheri's research really is the way to move it forward and just forget about the other stuff. Well, you guys are going to be amazed where Peter Menace launched this thing. Then, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it's that. a rare sight in yeah. more ways than just that. <laughs> well, tell us, Dave. Yeah, well, it's just this big uh, strip, a uh, monster strip <laughs> of gold-bearing quartz that's it in is. a line. It's called the Mother Low. There's an actual thing. Yeah. And this is the start of it. This is right, it's right on top of it. Um, so that's amazing to me. But, you know, it, it's... it's I, think a, you, I, I think you'll really enjoy meeting and talking with Sacheree. Yeah, me too. I, I think we're really going to have a meeting of the minds. Oh, the head. Oh, heads. you know, I didn't let um, the speakers are Sesheri, uh, Olav, of course, you're one of them, and Joseph Farrell and Alan Greenfield and myself and Dave is the uh, most recent um, final edition. Yeah, I'll just be given a local slant on uh, Hey, you, you got a picture yeah, of an arrow, important. dude. Nobody else has scored that. 
<laughs> it's pretty yeah, humble thing. It looks like two canvas bags Does with a carbon art light Does, in the middle. Walter, correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong, but that's that's huge. Uh, yeah, it, if you, if that is indeed truly a photograph of one of the arrows of the Arrow Club, that's gold. I I I gold doubt I doubt that. I, you guys are blowing it up. It's just that we're trying to collect pictures of local history. Yeah, but it's local history. I know, but it was a it's craze. No, but, but, everybody was making no, these but, things and trying to fly them. Every other, everybody and their cousin was starting aerial companies at that time. But we've had, we've had people question whether the Delshaw story is true or not, and photographic evidence. Um, uh, now, how? What? Uh, what's the date? The, the, the general circa day there isn't these any there is nothing oh the ones that I have that have been dated it's, it's from the 1894 around there uh, this okay, old so blurry one good, there's right? we always find things that just aren't cataloged no markings yeah the key the, the real gold would be a photograph of one of the 1850s arrows of the Sonora Aero Club. Well, we'll take a look, see if we can that. figure out how to date it. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. there are people that can based on the photo itself. I got if a little slideshow and it's, and it's got the photos on there. If I can date them, otherwise it's just... Yeah, but they this, have the original, Isn't right? this a cool picture? They have the original, right? Uh, I don't know. Sometimes they do, sometimes it's just If scams. they do, then we can get it to somebody like Kodak and they can date it based on the properties uh, of, of the... Paper. It's just stuff we managed to dig up. It fits in so much with the identity of this county, that kind of steampunky, old western aliens, um, uh, cowboys and aliens. This, this is the territory. This, that's the identity that the people around here have, the hipsters. All Space right. cowboys. Space cowboys. All right, so, Walter, we've, we've talked about uh, Nimzicon. Why don't you tell us? In, we got 14 minutes. Why don't you tell us about your new book and uh, where people can get that as well? Um, NIMSA, How America Sold Its Soul, is probably the uh, most depressing book I've ever written. Okay. Um, <laughs> it, does it, it beat the Black uh, Lodge? <laughs> that was super depressing. It, uh, we'll compare notes. <laughs> it, basically, it basically shows um, uh, where I think NIMSA the German thread where NIMSA came from and how it led to Operation Paperclip. And um, it, it presents historical material to back that up. And um, basically what Operation Paperclip has actually done to the United States, um, based that, that Operation Paperclip, in my opinion, was a Trojan horse. And um, the book will be um, available soon. We just um, wrapped up the pre-orders sales, and we are now uh, processing uh, the, 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 the delivery. We're, we're processing for the folks that ordered it on pre-order, and the link will probably be up and available at lulu.com um, by the time of NIMZACON, by uh, the, the, the 13th of October. So it will be at lulu.com, L-U-L-U.com, and it's titled NIMSA, How America Sold Its Soul. Wow, that, uh, isn't that a great book launch, bringing it all back home? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a circle. 
Yeah, it it definitely um, y- you know uh, uh, is a reflection of the. Uh, I do talk about the you know the 19th century Nimza of Delshaw in it, of course, and I I I've written about this in other books, but you know I reiterate the thread between the 1850s um, Sonora Aero Club era and leading right up into Nazi Germany. I think that Nimza was very instrumental in the rise of Nazi Germany. And um, I I think they used Nazi Germany. And in turn, you know, both parties used Operation Paperclip. A lot of people don't realize that Paperclip was driven by aviation medicine scientists. It wasn't driven by the bomb. It wasn't driven by the rocket scientists. It was driven by aviation medicine. Why is aviation medicine important? When you want to put man in space, you got to keep him alive. It's life support systems. And that was the goal. That was the goal of all these guys dating back to the 1920s. And it was the, it was the German scientists, aviation medicine scientists idea, um, to Colonel Harry Armstrong, um, to do operation paperclip. They're the ones who suggested, hey, you know, I can get like 50 other guys like me and we'll come over to your side, bring us to the United States. See, this was the real or and that's in the historical research on paperclip um, that's already out there. Uh, So, you know, when you start pulling those threads, you see that uh, exotic aviation technology was always behind Operation Paperclip. And what is NIMSA and the Sonora Aero Club but a pursuit of exotic aviation technology? Well, yeah, and the, the Anunurbi, they, they, their doctors were some of the key guys that were doing that. I mean, albeit very unethically, but, you know, and they, they, oh, were, yes. they were inventing speed and all kinds of stuff. My dad talked about when he was uh, in, my dad, was in the aviation medicine division of the aerospace medicine division of the United States Air Force in the 50s. And um, he talked for years ago, he told me in the 70s, he told me about uh, part of their training was to watch the old Nazi um, aviation medicine scientists, uh, films of when they would put people through the altitude chamber without right. any kind of pressure suits on, yep. see what it does to human bodies. And it was horrific. It was just gruesome and horrific. And, um, you know, that was part of the controversy as to why um, some of them, I think Hubertus Strughold was one of these guys that was aware that this was going on. There was another scientist who basically the U.S. Air Force, they were embarrassed about it publicly, and they sent the guy packing. Interestingly enough, they didn't send him home to Germany, which is where they would send these guys usually when they got rid of him. They sent that guy to South America. Well, sure, it's all Argentina. Ciudad de Dignidad. Yeah. You ever you ever seen the airport so, there? No. So it was for a long time. It was a completely unmanned airport, no control tower, no nothing, out on the side of a mountain. Wow. But the runway was uh-huh. so long that you could land an an A three twenty on it. Wow. Yeah. You could you could land that? an A three twenty on that thing. It's different. It's more built out now, but for a long time, it was like a civil, like a, a, you know, like the Columbia airport here. It was just a little rinky dink airport out in the middle of nowhere with an incredibly long Uh runway. 
Dirt field. Yeah, no, it wasn't dirt. It was asphalt, but it, it was it was huge. You know, I couldn't help but think John Lilly. One of his first gigs was to uh, measure the uh, um, the uh, uh, aviators uh, and try to make the uh, compression and stuff in the uh, cockpits and stuff. And he had everybody all monitored and created the, all that stuff. It's probably a part of it. Yeah. And uh, he's the yeah. guy that went on did the dolphin well, they, thing. All the stuff that went on with the U.S. Air Force right after World War II, um, aerospace medicine in particular, the, you know, the, the, the America's manned space program started with the Air Force. Mercury was a U.S. Air Force program. They had already right. designed the, uh, the tool, the suits. My dad was in uh, the unit that did the ground testing in the altitude chambers for the Mercury um, space suits that the astronauts in the right stuff wear, the silver ones. And in October of 1958 was when they stood NASA up, and the Air Force, we are told, handed Mercury over to NASA. And um, I argue that, you know, and we know this through their, you know, documents that have been released since then, I, I think they just continued their own parallel um, uh, program, uh, but it, it allowed them to go classified with it. But it started in the U.S. Air Force. A lot of people don't know that. Well, I mean, people don't know that the Air Force fronted Project Lunex, and they claimed they could get astronauts into a habitat on the moon by 1963. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Interesting. Okay, so tell us one more time. we got six minutes left. How do people find you? They can find me at um, – go, go to the Walter Bosley channel at YouTube – um, uh, I'm also, uh, I, I'm, I'm on Facebook and at Instagram and stuff, but if you go to the Walter Bosley channel at YouTube, my live stream is, uh, every Wednesday, uh, the usual time is, um, uh, 1 PM Pacific time, but you know, I, I will have it at different times, but subscribe to the uh, YouTube channel and that's a good way, um, to contact me there, but to also check out my live streams and check out the videos that are, you know, just go check out the page and you'll find all sorts of interesting things, including my on that I discussed earlier that talks about the Racine turbine. Um, that's in my video on the Nazi bell. So there I am. Yeah. And you'll see and part- my books. Oh, go ahead. My books are at lulu.com L U L U.com. And also, um, uh, you can get them through WalterBosley.com. And I, I keep forgetting to mention that because that's a fairly new thing for me. But WalterBosley.com will take you to Lulu where my books can be found. Yeah, I was going to say you can, you can watch part of an interview with me, but unfortunately I had to leave it early. <laughs> we got to redo yeah. that one. <laughs> yes, we will. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Had a bit of a family thing going on. All right. Well, thank you again, Walter, for joining us tonight. I think it was a pretty good show. We covered some major ground. I'm looking forward yeah. to meeting you in person yes. and uh, continue the discussion. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on, and I'll, uh, I look forward to being up there. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, okay. Well, you've been listening to another amazing uh, Enigma Hour with Captain Tiki, me, Olaf Phillips, and Captain Dave. Yeah, reporting for duty, sir. 
Always on the ready. <laughs> to adventure into the unknown. Adventure into the unknown to seek out life's little mysteries. Life's little mysteries. And uh, remember, we're on live um, every Thursday, 10 p.m. to midnight, here on KAADLP 103.5 FM, Sonora, California. And we're also available where, wherever you find better podcasts. And uh, definitely subscribe to the podcast. Uh, usually I get them up within a couple days of the, of the show itself. Sometimes I'm a little bit late like I am right now, and I'm sorry about that. Uh, I'm trying to be more punctual. Uh, but, you know, things get in the way. Anyway, so thanks for listening, and uh, well, I guess we'll see you next week. Yeah, I'm looking forward. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. Bye.